0: welcome to the foolish adventure show where guru hype is banned lifetime value of a customer is king and the internet business has replaced the job as the path to financial success and personal freedom now here's straight talk about making a living online with your host tim conley hey this is lane Amon with another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm here with my trusty co-host, Tim Conley. Tim, how are you doing today? What's
1: up, Lane? I, I'm, um, doing, I'm doing great.
0: Good. <laughs> I'm not.
1: Yeah, yeah. which, which was kind of funny because you're opening the show so pleasantly.
0: Like, oh, I know. I, I hide moment. it well, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad and I'm not going to take it anymore. How's okay, that for that, show, yeah. show title?
1: <laughs> uh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Even even when you're mad, you sound so cute. You're like,
0: uh, <laughs> it's it's just one of those things. I can't help. I still have a smile, even though I'm ticked off right now. I'm still smiling. So uh,
1: you know, you sounded much more aggressive when, before we hit record.
0: <laughs> I'll see if I can bring some back channel, some more of that inner rage. Well, get- uh,
1: so so where's this rage coming from?
0: Well, I am very frustrated. I am, as I mentioned, I am really ticked off because um, I can't find, it's so hard to find good help these days. Um, Basically, one of my goals in recent months, now that my business is almost two years old, one of my goals is to outsource more and also kind of play on a bigger platform, reach out beyond my comfort zone and get into some new markets and I have great plans and flow sheets and spreadsheets and all sorts of deliverable lists and things like that but I have to really rely on other people to get some of those projects done and in particular, it's technology that where I get hung up. So it's not outsourcing down or um, to, to a VA who's doing blog posting or, or those types of things. It's outsourcing up beyond a skill level that I currently possess. And I get, I get put to a dead halt because the people I bring on – who I carefully vet. I get recommendations from people. I get samples of their work. We have a nice dialogue and then everything falls apart. They tell me what they're going to do. And then suddenly it just doesn't happen. And, (laughs) It's just, I don't know if it's me because I'm too nice. <laughs> Maybe I need to smile less <laughs> or if I'm doing something wrong or if it's just kind of the nature of freelancers where they are these free spirits and don't want to be tied down to deadlines and things like that. So, so it's causing me some angst because there's stuff I want to do with my business. I want to get bigger. I want to grow. I want to get into these other markets and I can't because I'm reaching roadblocks where I, I don't know how to get past them.
1: That's, that's one of the things that I find really troubling because it's, it's not uncommon what, mm. what you're going through. I've gone through it and I've tried every different kind of management technique possible for managing outsourced work from being nice to being a complete hard <laughs> ass. And none of them seem to work. The only thing that seems to work is if that person's wanting to work. If if they're wanting to get paid, then they they will do the job. But I I think I think it's a lot more than that in that that they want to get paid because everybody wants to get paid. Nobody wants to work. Mm. You just got to find those those rare people who want to get paid and work for what they get paid. Hmm. And they are, are really rare. Those are the people who are actually trying to build a business a right. lot of A lot of freelancers are not actually trying to build a business. they're just trying to get enough work on their resume to then go get a job hmm. or they're just doing it on the side for a little extra cash and if their life gets in the way, then they just they just don't care. they just don't do it because they're not building a business they're not trying to create something lasting,
0: yeah. You know, I, I feel like like I avoided going to the ODesk and Elance route because I wanted to work with people who um, came recommended. And also, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't against outsourcing to um, another country, although it was very critical to me that the communication, not just in terms of can I understand the words you're saying, but this, that we were communicating with the same that, that the understanding, the deeper level of understanding of what I was trying to accomplish was there. And plus, it just seems like the fewer barriers the first time around I do something, the easier. For instance, I'm working on an iPhone app. After the first iPhone app go around, I'll have a much better understanding of the, the process and I would feel more comfortable working with somebody who um, who I could manage a little bit more. But this time, I am I feel like I'm at the mercy of my, my freelancer and... They just, yeah, they get, to, they get to kind of dictate the terms when they're going to do things, when they're not, and I don't know how to get past that. Huh. Is it just finding, like you're saying, just keep going through people till you find the right one, or are there other things that we can do to make that happen?
1: I, I, I look at it from the experience of, I've had over the years. The things that I, I go for are people who are doing what they're doing for a living, because mm-hmm. like I said, there's these different types of freelancers. As someone who's doing it for a living, it's their business. It, their life, their, their mortgage, their car payment all depends on completing work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I need to know that that's what they do for a living before I hire a single individual. I found that the more technical the item is, the better off you're going to be spending the premium and hiring a company that does that work. Mm. because the company makes a living by delivering these products. Right. Then the daily management falls to, to that company. Even when you do that, you still have to be on top of the whole process. Because what I found is that, especially in the tech world or anything well, anything technical, the people, if they know you don't know anything, then mm. then the BS starts coming out. <laughs>
0: It's like when you take the, where I take my car in to get fixed. (laughs) They know I have no idea of the alternator from the detonator. (laughs) I have no clue. (laughs) Uh,
1: Maybe you should have them remove the detonator from your car. That might
0: be a good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, So a lot of times when you don't know what, what it is that you need, then mm-hmm. you, end up with, you end up at the mercy of that person. And the more, like I said, the, the more technical it is, the less I would rely on a single individual. Mm-hmm. Because the odds of, odds of that one individual knowing all the different things you need to know or that need to go into this technical application, and in your case, it's an iPhone app, is, is pretty rare. They've got to be a great designer. They've got to be good at programming. They've got to be good at organization, keeping everything managed. Uh, you know, there, there's like so many things that that one person has to be good at. Mm-hmm. A lot of times just isn't the case. If you want to outsource writing articles for your blog, well, that's easy. You find a writer and one that can understand your marketplace. You, you find those, that combination, you're, you're gold. Easy to do. But if you're saying, oh, uh, th- not only does the person writing the blog post have to do some graphic design and they have to do some coding to go along with it, now now you've just kind of messed up that whole process because you're not going to find that person.
0: Right. So the complexity, just as I have more trouble understanding it, any other one person is going to have trouble possessing all those skills. Correct. So...
1: Unless you're hiring someone who's a freelancer, like, in the respect, like... When I ran uh, local Rev, my local marketing company, I didn't keep staff on hand at all times. I ramped up and down according to whatever marketing campaign we were doing at the time. I did ended up doing a lot of websites, a lot of SEO. So we would, uh, you know, almost always had an SEO person on full time. My designer, he was almost completely full time with me, also. But they were still outsourced. I took the approach like Hollywood does. Oh, we're doing a film. So we round up all the people necessary to do a film, put them in one room, crank it out. And then when it's done, everybody goes their separate way. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I I ran that company. So if you find somebody like that, where uh, the person's an uh, iPhone app developer and the person's got great coding skills, but not great... Uh, design skills well then that person could say oh yeah but I have this other person he's going to work with me on on this project Mm -hmm. and you don't care uh, just as long as it comes out looking great Uh, you don't care that this guy's managing some other person to complete your project as long as the project gets done
0: right so if I go to if I try to find a company and there's a lot of them out there who say they can do iPhone apps how do I make sure the same thing doesn't happen with the company? Even though, I mean, because it's so easy to present yourself as something more than what you are online. It could just be a one-person shop or somebody who's never done it before, or, you know, a, a fly-by-night thing. How do, how do I do due diligence on the at the company level? And at the same time, make sure I'm not getting ripped off because it's not always true. Sometimes it's true that... I'll do a, a Tim here where yes and no, <laughs> where sometimes you get what you pay for. The more you pay, the better the quality is. But sometimes that's not true. You're paying and you paid more than you really needed to.
1: Yeah, that actually happens happens quite a bit. You know, the bigger a company gets, the more inefficiencies they have mm-hmm. and you end up just paying for inefficiencies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they have bigger salaries, bigger, you know, everything. So you, you end up paying a premium. Like I said, you, you hire a company, you're paying a premium right off the bat. Right. What you're hoping is that this, this particular company does not have a whole bunch of inefficiencies in it that you're just you're paying for that. So the, the way to find out if that's the case is you ask them, let me talk to some of your past customers mm-hmm. and ask them, well, how was the process? First find out, did they get a product delivered that met or exceeded their expectations? If they did, okay, that's that's like step one. Yeah, (laughs) because if if they didn't get that, well, then then you could just stop
0: right there. Right. You don't
1: don't have any more questions to ask. Uh, But if they say, yeah, you know, it it met or exceeded my expectations. And then you start asking, well, uh, what about the process? And I'm not saying price yet. You know, price is like one of the last things you Mm. want to ask about. So you ask about the process. Well, did they deliver on time? Or if there were delays, were those delays acceptable to you? Did they come about because something happened or on your side where you didn't get them what they needed in time to, to accomplish it, which happens a lot. I've done enough client work to know that clients don't ever do what they say they're going to do. All right. If that's the case then okay then it wasn't it may not have been the fault of the company then you you know you just find out how that process went how the process of getting their application developed and find out the intricacies of that and you're asking at least 3 different at least 3 different customers probably more than that though I wouldn't go beyond 5 you know mm-hmm. I would stop there because it's just a lot of work on your side but then you get down to price was the price acceptable did they meet the budget did they meet, exceed it? Uh, were they under budget? Which is almost never, uh, <laughs> right? You know, hey, we're 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 under budget. Let's uh, let's tack on a couple more hours so that we hit budget. <laughs> yeah, uh, th- those uh, under budget is really rare. But if somebody met uh, met the budget or they exceeded it, why did they exceed it? Mm-hmm. And you you find out those. Uh, those answers from real customers then you're in a better position then you have to look at well how long they've been in business if they're if they're brand new they may just be they may just be hungry and they're just you know hustling which which is great you know you want those kind of people but they may have they may not have their own systems down yet right and you may end up with some turbulence there companies that have been around for a while uh, you know that they're stable enough that they're not you're going to hand them a check and then they're not going to just disappear on you. That's the good side of that. The other side is you know you may find that they've got inefficiencies in their company after being around for a while that that you're just paying for,
0: yeah. You know, what, what struck me as you're talking about inefficiencies and the inefficiencies of agencies or larger businesses is I feel like I'm being extremely inefficient right now because I'm sitting here waiting on a project that's not getting done. So it's almost like, it, I mean, which, which do you want to pay for, the possible inefficiencies of a larger scale organization or the risk that you're going to be sitting there twiddling your thumbs with your project not done because the person who said they were going to do it just kind of bailed?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, but that, that kind of goes back to the complexity of the project, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, a complex project, one that requires multiple skill sets, should have multiple people working on it. Okay. Uh, it's a rare combination that you're going to find a coder and a designer mm-hmm. all wrapped in one. Right. It's very rare to find that combination that also understands client uh, needs, Mm-hmm. it gets more and more complex. That's why you look right. at like an ad agency, they have all these different jobs. They have their account rep, finds out what the client needs, and then everybody tries to translate that data gathered by the account rep into into something mm-hmm. that communicates the ideas of that company. So, every, uh, so they bring in these different skill sets. So they have the guys who are great at, at doing the art side of, of advertising. And then they have the people who are great at doing the copywriting and they all work together to create one product because it's that complex. Mm-hmm. You're asking one guy to do the job of probably three or four people.
0: Right. You know what this reminds me of is is general contractors with build, with building and remodeling where you can try to act as your own general and outsource you know, find the graphic person, find the programmer, find the, you know, whatever else, whatever other, the writer, if you need a writer. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do. But the, in, in the house building world in the construction industry, there's not that usually that general contractor has many different um, contacts. So if the plumber doesn't show up on Tuesday, they just call somebody else. They have a, a list of, plumbers who can come in and lay that pipe so they can go onto the drywall or whatever it is. Whereas I'm trying to be the general contractor, but I don't have those contacts. So when one person flakes, it's freezing up the whole thing. So it's almost like outsourcing to a company that acts as the general contractor for me and they'll find the replacement plumber if they need it. I don't have to do that. Right. And it sounds like to me, just hearing myself talk that I don't want to do that. Um, Some people might really want to just as people handle their own remodels. To me, that sounds like a nightmare. But, (laughs) you know, you pay that premium to have that person handle it for you.
1: Exactly. And something that we were kind of discussing in email last week was the whole idea of why would you continue to grow beyond your lifestyle desires? Right. And it comes down to being able to have your own general contractor on staff. Mm. Uh, if, if you have a manager that you can go to then how much more could you be getting done right now if you weren't handling oh so and so didn't show up he didn't deliver the app the you know these things aren't getting done While well, you're busy growing your company and growing the vision of your company the other person can make sure the daily tasks get done
0: how do you find somebody like that who has the skills to get that done, but A, doesn't want to have their own business, and B, will stick around? Because my, my fear is that if I outsource so much, then, then if that person leaves, and in a virtual world it's, it's so much more fluid, um, how do I protect myself there? Or is that something I shouldn't even be worrying about yet?
1: Well, it's a concern. But mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it should not be the one thing that you're like, oh, you know, that, that's going to stop me from even doing it, is mm. that I don't know how I'm going to keep them around.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, one,
1: if somebody likes their job, they're not going to go away. Right. As long as they're getting what they're getting fulfilled from their job, which which is kind of difficult. But as long as they feel like it's a, a fair trade for them, they're going to stick around. And so a lot of people are like, oh, you know, what if they want to start their own business? Um That ain't going to happen. Like, it's just so rare anywhere Mm -hmm. in the world that that someone's going to choose the risk of starting their own business when they've got someone here who will hand them a paycheck. Right. It's like, what you mean, all I have to do is keep these things going (laughs) and you'll take on all the risk of making sure I get a paycheck every single week? Mm-hmm. And okay, I'll take that risk. For a lot of people, the idea of taking on all the risk, all these headaches, like you're expressing right here in this, like, oh, you know, I've got this person (laughs) writing this, I'm trying to get this app done. And well, a lot of people don't want to take on all that. They just want to come in, do their job, go home. Yeah. That's a a worry that you shouldn't even have. Mm. If you ever see like the boom and bust of freelance work, it always, freelancers always show up in the uh, downtimes when there's a recession there's a ton of freelancers why (laughs) because they all got fired they got all they all got laid off but they still need to eat so then they become a freelancer until the economy turns back around and then they get a job Mm -hmm. they're just doing it just long enough to keep the bills paid and and keep their resume padded right Most people are not setting off to do these things to become, to do this for a living. That this is going to be their life. They're starting up a company. That's what they're doing. Very Mm -hmm. few people will do that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I know why. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I still wouldn't trade it. (laughs)
1: Right. Well, because there's us kind of crazy people out there that we would not trade all the hardship we go through to have our own business for a job. Right. It's just not, unless unless the situation is just so dire that we need to take a job just to pay the bills, you know, kids got to eat, you, you know, so you do those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You do what's necessary, which is what an entrepreneur is, is someone who is willing to do what's necessary to get the job done and right. bring and bring money in the door.
0: Right. So when I'm if I want to move in that direction beyond this one project, but find somebody who can be my, my project manager on my behalf, how do I keep, how do I keep that same thing from happening? Cause it's not, I don't see this as, as a, um, it's not necessarily a job title like iPhone app developer. I mean, is it the kind of thing you can search for online? I mean, what do you even call that person? A business manager, a project manager? What's,
1: Whatever you want to call him, I guess. Bob. <laughs> yeah, Bob. I, I need
0: a Bob. I need it, a wife. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. That might be offensive to some people. I didn't mean that at all. <laughs> I might have to edit that part out. <laughs> oh,
1: no, I'm leaving that in. Go out and get yourself a wife.
0: <laughs> oh, Lane offends 75% <laughs> of the listeners of The Foolish Adventure Show. <laughs>
1: It's funny. That is funny. Well, I, I, again, I think, I think this is one of those cases of you're worrying about something yet to occur
2: mm-hmm.
1: and finding like that, that kind of person, what you need is someone who's very well-rounded. Uh, like, you know, there's a lot of bagging on people who have lib- liberal arts degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's good reason for that. That you know, you, I
0: have one. <laughs> well, you know,
1: you go out, you pay, you pay a huge amount of money for a degree that you end up never using. Uh, out, outside of that, people with uh, liberal arts degrees, and ju- uh, and more more importantly, the personality of of the type of person who would want that kind of a degree, where they they are getting a broader education on multiple topics. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. Those people make great managers mm. because, like, okay, uh, these are the things that need to get done. They're creative enough to go, oh, you know, the uh, I, I can see where this is going. Yeah, I can see where uh, stuff needs to happen, and then you get those people to then manage the people that only do their little piece, and yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the the I uh, the. Uh, the iPhone app developer, uh, like I said, even that is multiple people to get the best product you can. You need the design side of it, and you also need the coding side of it. Then you have to have someone who can manage that. And and if you're going to go further and further into technical stuff, well, then the general manager that you have has to have at least some technical background to understand when those people are BSing them. right. And and like, what are the what's the processes uh, to be able to get things done and get things done rapidly, and so that they can anticipate the needs of the developer, because okay. if the developer is going to be waiting on something and may not be a great communicator because they're just busy writing code, that person needs to be able to anticipate when this developer is going to be at the next stage and needs certain things delivered to the developer, say the graphics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And well, if you weren't managing that properly, then the coder's going to be sitting around waiting on you to get the graphics developed and have them delivered.
0: Right. It, it almost seems like it might be somebody who you, you train, um, who you get the sense has, has that thinking ability. Because what I've found too, is a lot of people I contract out to don't necessarily want to think too much. They want to show up, put email A in email box B and send autoresponder 6 to the 17 people who asked for it and then kind of go home rather than thinking, okay, we've got 17 people asking the same question. Could we create an FAQ to address this? Or or Lane, um, have you thought about doing a video on this topic because we're getting a lot of questions on it, that kind of thing. Instead, they'd rather kind of just work at that task level, which um, – which I, I love having people who can do that, but also look at those bigger patterns and things.
1: That, I think, comes down to a hiring and a management issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you end up hiring people that only do tasks. Mm. And then you manage people to only do tasks. Right. People, there's, there's this, and I hate, I hate the term because it's so corporate. It's called buy-in. Mm-hmm. hate it because, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, you, you got to get people to have buy into to uh, what you're doing. It's so superficial. You can't really get someone to buy into it. Uh, you know, it, it's like kind of tricking them uh, you, uh, to, to get true buy-in uh, where people actually believe in what, what it is that they're doing. They've got to have some skin in the game. They've got to feel like if I do this, it's going to make my life better. Yep. And then then they will start thinking about, "Oh, what if I did this and what if I did that?" Uh, there's no rewards tied to thinking mm. if if all if all they're required to do is deliver a task and they're never required to think and never giving a, mm. a reason to think. If they're never given that, then then why would they? Right. I'm going to get paid the same amount no matter what I do.
0: Yeah. I see what you mean with the hiring and the and then the reward structure, too, that people have to be feel like, yeah, if I do this above and beyond, I'm going to get above and beyond.
1: And, and that's not necessarily monetary. Right. That could be in uh, more than even just recognition. I, I'm seeing a lot of guys in the tech world, you know, in the startup world. I've been, And this is something that I was talking about uh, a while back with some of my friends was that uh, what about the idea of letting people own a piece of the company? Hmm well it, it it kind of makes sense because they have an attachment to it but but uh, i there's a lot of problems with that also especially when things are just getting started you're just testing someone out you don't want to just bring somebody off the street and say here you got one per- you got 1% of the company you, you don't do that because you don't really know how they're going to work out and that gets into like vesting schedules and right. and and a bunch of other really complex stuff but the real idea is do they Uh, Do they feel like they belong in the company? Do they feel like if they come up with something great for the company, will it benefit them in any way?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Will they get the recognition of doing it? Will they get a promotion? uh, If if that's something that you have structured into your company, you know, uh, different things like that. Right. Uh, What what kind of rewards are they going to get for doing it? Do uh, do they get a piece of the action? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that right there uh, is something that I find is just really odd that people don't give their people a piece of the action. Uh, they don't have to have a piece of the company, but some of the profits. Right. It, it, it's so rare. You know, the old school thinking is, well, hell, I'm the one who went through all the risk of putting up the money and, and <laughs> getting the project built. I should get all the profit. But in the internet business world, we we do joint ventures all the time. We do mm-hmm. affiliate marketing all the time. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, people are giving like 75% of the, the sale of that product right. to, to someone else who sent a single email.
0: Yeah. Let alone helped build the thing that you're selling and profiting from.
1: Correct. I've been on this whole kick and you've got to hear some of my rants about... Uh, about the sociopathy of, mm-hmm. of organizations. And a lot of it comes down to greed. Mm. You know, you, we look at the, like this whole Occupy Wall Street stuff going on and they're talking about the greed of these big companies and stuff. But it's always funny because it's, it's, uh, it's greed when someone else does it and it's <laughs> fairness when you do it yourself.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I really see that a lot of people get greedy in the wrong, at the wrong times. Yeah. You know, people who don't have good payouts for their affiliate programs, they're being greedy at the wrong time. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: the, the times that you're supposed to be greedy is when it comes down to uh, are you feeding your family or not? You mm. know, outside of that, you know, it's like you're you may even be hurting yourself by holding on to certain things.
0: Right. Right. And I think that greed comes a lot of times from fear. Just that if I give this away, then I won't have enough. But like you're saying, if you have enough, and I think it can even get you, not to go off on too big of a tangent, but it can get you to enough. If you start out sharing, then you've got this whole crew of people who want you to succeed because it's going to help them succeed and they're going to work that much harder for it. So.
1: When you said not to get on too far, uh, much of a tangent. Too late. Like, like half half this episode has been a tangent. Uh, I think
0: it really circles back though, because the the question. I mean, the question that I had, the concern I had, the issues I've had, are part of this bigger topic of of outsourcing and team building and and creating a virtual team that isn't necessarily just a. A, a group of email addresses that it really is there's some kind of dynamic there um that that is that is bigger than just the little the little parts so what's that word not serendipity what's that word uh, synergy word? synergy
1: buckminster Fuller. A writer
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes there is i mean that's what we're talking about is how do you create that synergy and that takes care of the issues like i'm t- i'm I'm dealing with right now. Well,
1: the big thing is the difference between outsourcing and team building Mm. because too many people think they're building a team when all they're doing is outsourcing tasks. Mm. That's ridiculous. Uh, it, and that I ran into this. Uh, my mistakes in the whole outsourcing world ran into that too, where I would look at some things and I'm like, oh, here's a task that comes up uh, frequently, or it's a one-off technical task. I'll just outsource that. And what I found was, okay, now I'm in the same boat I was in the last time I did this. Yeah. So either either a, I need to structure my company so that I do more of that and make it worth. Uh, putting that on my plate, mm-hmm. or I just stop doing that aspect of my business completely, so I take it off my plate, so I can focus on the things that really make use of my time. Gotcha. And if you're if you're going to restructure your business where you're going to be doing something more often, then you should start looking at finding somebody you can go to every single time, mm-hmm. and not uh, and and that may even include bringing that person on as an employee. Right. And, you know, that, that, that's that a may, dirty
0: word, though. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, especially <laughs> in this whole Internet business world, like, like how we talk about, oh, you know, don't be an employee, you know, start your own thing. Well, maybe, maybe the but there's a lot of people out there who don't want to start their own thing that would right. just love to be able to do something on a on a daily basis and get paid for it and not have to worry about uh, receivables at the end of the day. Yes. You know, they're, they're not concerned about that. They just want to do their thing. So if you're going to be building a, a strong team and you want to grow your company, one which will take care of your lifestyle desires far beyond your current immediate needs, then a team is going to do that more so than outsourcing.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. I agree. So to summarize, shall I summarize for yes. us? To summarize... Lane was ticked off. Lane offended the listeners. <laughs> Foolish adventure. <laughs> Lane took us off on a tangent. It's been a good day for me. <laughs> All that before breakfast. <laughs> no, seriously. So, we started out talking about problems with outsourcing, particularly outsourcing tasks beyond your current skills get, uh, set. And we talked about how when the Task is more complex. That um, your suggestion is good to go to a business whose business is that that deliverable. Um, so you're not putting you're not sole sourcing. You're not putting everything in in one person's inbox who may decide to take off to Bali for for a few months. Um, and as the complexity of the task arises, or not even the task, the complexity of the deliverable arises, that. Typically corresponds with the the idea that a, an agency or or business might be a better place for you to turn to rather than a, a sole provider. Is that accurate so far?
1: That sounds like it.
0: <laughs> and then beyond that, we talked about team building versus outsourcing, which I think is a really interesting content um, topic. Now that I'm getting into it more deeply and seeing what just what's my intention as I grow my business. Do I want to have this team that's going to be contributing to the overall growth and flourishing of my company? Or do I want to really keep that sole control and just out-task, um, you know, project by project? What, what do I feel more comfortable doing? Because I can see that some people would just be like, no, no, no. I'm just holding on to it all. But I think I fall in that group of wanting to bring on team members who, who value what we're doing and buy in <laughs> to our overall vision, <laughs> even though we hate that corporate speak. So anything else you want to add in there?
1: Just enjoy your Foolish Adventure.
0: You've just listened to The Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module. Over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product.
1: Enjoy your Foolish adventure. If you're still listening, we uh, shut off the recording and started talking, and got back into this whole topic of outsourcing. And one of the things Elaine had brought up in this episode was about getting deliverables from this uh, from this uh, programmer. Mm-hmm. And I, I completely forgot to say, well, that that's her job. Mm. Uh, uh, it's Lane's job to actually create. Uh, What's called a RFP in in the software world or even in like big projects, a request for proposal. So you state your needs. Then the programmer can then go through those needs and respond back and say, okay, here's my proposal. Here's how I'm going to do X, Y, and Z that you've requested inside this proposal. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work on both sides to deal with these uh, RFPs. It, and 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 they're kind of old fashioned now in a lot of the you know really hip uh, tech startup kind of stuff but it's really important that everybody who's doing a project is on the same page right and and if you leave all that up to them to tell you what it's uh, what this project's going to be and what's required of it then it may be more uh, too much work for them to, to just go, oh, you know, I'm done, I'm leaving. You know, especially right. if it's just a single operation because it takes a lot of time to develop out the specs. Mm-hmm. That's something that you should get paid for as a technician. Okay. You know, like, oh, here, I'm developing out the specs for you for this thing. One of the things I used to do in the, my early days was that I would actually develop proposals for companies. I would do the work for them And I got paid to create these proposals because I I knew like the objectives of of like both sides and would create that. That was one aspect of my marketing company when I first got started that I would do because no one wanted to do it and it was so critical.
0: Yeah, I can see how that really sets... Sets the whole. I mean, it's the difference to go back to the car analogy to, of going into the mechanic and saying, "I've got a funny ticking noise under the hood," and and then versus going in and saying, "I need my oil replaced. I need you to take a look at the spark plugs. I need you to remove that detonator <laughs> from under <Right>. the hood." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it lets them know that you know what you're talking about, at least as far as what you what your end result is. Right. And it helps you as the project owner understand what your end results really are too.
1: Right. To keep the project within a certain scope.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's why it's needed. I I don't think a proposal necessarily needs to get down to the nitty gritty on how it's going to be done. Like programmer comes back, he should not be telling you you know, step A, I'm doing this, and this is how I'm going to code this piece, and then step B, I'm going to do this, and, and I'm going to code it this way. You know, you shouldn't have to see that kind of stuff. It right. should be, I'm going to accomplish these objectives within this certain, certain amount of time, and if you wish to know more about how I'm going to do that, we'll, you know, talk on the phone or something. Yeah. Because you know, there's no sense in writing all that down, because it always changes in the process of coding an application. Okay. You know that that stuff it always changes, but as long as the person's willing to still get it done within a certain amount of time, or can, uh, or knows the requirements of communication back to you mm-hmm. about when things aren't going as planned. Gotcha. And that that's all I got. Well, that was good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bye, everybody.
0: Bye.